Welcome to the Reclaim Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can visit our website at reclaimchurchtx.com. So I want to get into the word. The title of my message today is The Throne Room of God. And it's I'm reading out of the book of Revelation, and, and I, sh- I probably should have done it in October, right? Because Revelation is like the Halloween thing to talk about. I don't know. Maybe it's just a church thing in my head, right? Everybody wants to talk about Revelation. But as I was reading it, and I'm not going to get into like, you know, this number means this, and, and the end times is coming, and this is how you know, because God, Jesus says no one's really going to know, right? And we have all these guys trying to figure it out. It's kind of funny. But I, I was reading it, and the Lord kind of quickened my spirit a message concerning this scripture in Revelation chapter 4, verses, we're going to actually go through the whole chapter um, but I'm going to start with verses 1 through 4, okay? After these things, I looked, and behold, the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me. Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and sardius ser- stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me today. I don't want to preach my thoughts. I don't want to preach my opinions. I don't want to preach my mindset, God. I want to preach what you would want me to. I pray that every word that I speak would be founded on your word and would be led by your spirit. Help us hear what you want us to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Jay. So the book of Revelation, why was John writing this book? If you don't know the, the, the context of Revelation, John is on an island, and God is basically giving him insight to the end times and to many more things than just the end times. And, and in chapter 4, we see that God has given him insight to the throne room of God. This is not something that he just made up in a vision. This is something where God actually allowed him to come in and to see what was happening in the throne room of God. But why was John writing Revelation in the first place? Most people think of Revelation, and again, we think of end times, we think of tribulation, and we have all the questions, right? When is God coming? Is it in the before the three and a half years, in the middle or at the end? And we have all these these questions. But the reason John was writing the book of Revelation is God was given an insight so that he can encourage who were being persecuted because what John was really writing and if you look at the end of the book of Revelation it it basically shows you the story that at the end of it all there's one who has the victory and his name is Jesus and so what is John doing he's writing this book out giving it to the persecuted church to say this that even though you're going through really really bad times there's hope at the end of it So the book of Revelation is actually a book of hope. He's showing them that there's an answer to all of this. The struggles and the trials that you face in your life are not just there for nothing. That you don't have, it's not like you don't have a hope to hang on to, but, but just as there was hope as he was writing the scriptures, there is hope for us today. Hebrews 6, 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Even today we have this hope. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through 18, Therefore we do not lose heart. 
Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The enemy would like us to be distracted because if he could distract us, he can distract us from our hope. He would like us to look at the temporary things over the eternal. My question is, what has your attention? What has your attention as as we look at all these things that are happening with the politics and the vaccine and, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Now they're going to take it off of YouTube. And, And the mandates or the no mandates and all this stuff that's happening. And even as I say that, your cage is getting a little rattled. Just calm down, right? All these things that are happening, what has your attention? What, what are you looking at? To me, I remember when um, Trump was, was, was going against Hillary. And I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, okay? I just remember this was happening. And I remember there was a lot going on. A lot of people were saying a lot of things. Well, if she wins, this will happen. If, if he wins, he's going to do this and all this craziness. And I remember, you know what? I, I, I kind of had this, this moment. And this was back in California. So God even does speak in California, believe it or not. And, and I was there... <laughs> And I had this peace because I said, Lord, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of it all, you're still on the throne. Everything that's happening, we may have to go through some things. But at the end of everything, remember who your God is. Psalm 121, verse 1 through 8, I will lift up my eyes to the hills for whence my help comes, excuse me, where comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not, not allow your foot to be moved. He, will, he, he who keeps you will not slumber. He doesn't go to sleep during your problems. He's not ignoring your issues. He's a God that will prevail. He's a God that is still in charge. See, what we do when we go through issues in life is we maximize our issues and minimize our God. As we go through troubles, what begins to have our attention is our our issues. And it's like we have these big things coming against us. And then we have like this little God that might be able to help us through it. Is that relatable to anybody? No? Okay. Well, let me get to the next point. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So we maximize our our problems and we minimize our God. The problem with This is when we maximize our problems and minimize our God, we begin to respond to a God that we minimized. And our life is, we begin to live our life according to the God that we think he is. Small. Not powerful. Really not in charge. And you say, well, I believe God is in charge. And and, and, okay, okay, I, I get it. That's the right answer. But how do you feel when you have no money? How do you feel when you got that last hundred sitting in the account and God's like, hey, give it? Oh, man, this is tough today, huh? How do you feel when, when you're going through that thing and that issue, with, whether it's with your marriage or your job, and it's, it's not coming out the way that you want it to come? Because we all think that God is good when times are good. We all say that God is, God is big and, and worthy and he's, he's, he's worthy of glory and praise when my life is going well. 
And as soon as something hits us, all of a sudden, this great God is no longer worthy of the same praise because my problems are bigger than they were last season. Is making sense? Okay. We're going to get through this today, all right? Whether you talk back or not today, I'm going to finish this message. Lord, it's for you anyway. Help me. God is still on the throne, even if our problems are as big as we think they are. The trials and the struggles of today seem extreme when we lose sight of who he is. When we lose sight of the God that we serve, everything else looks worse. I'll be honest, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening today. But I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Because I know who God is. He's a holy, living God. Let's finish, let's continue reading Revelation 4, 2 through 5. Immediately I was on the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. He, he who sat there was like a jasper, and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance, like an emerald. Around the throne there were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their, on their, on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, think of this moment. That John, as a man, caught up in the spirit, sitting and watching and looking into the throne of God. And on the throne of God, he sees one sitting on that throne. And as he's watching the one sitting on the throne, he sees lightning and thunder surrounding him. And he's, he's, he has this rainbow of emerald around this, this God who he's watching. And, and he's looking into this and there's voices singing and there's, there's, trumpets, there's trumpets blowing and there's all this stuff happening. This God that he sees and he gives us insight to is not an imaginary God. It's not like he's just saying, oh, maybe he's like this. He's opening the door of the throne and he's saying, look at me, of who I really am, all-powerful, ever-living God, the creator of all things. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. It's funny as I, as I describe these things to you, we've made God so common that, it, that we're no longer in awe of what he's done. Oh yeah, God created the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, he's on a throne in heaven. We've made him common. You know how you know you've made God common? And this is not in my notes. So, Holy Spirit, I hope this is you. You know how you made God common? Is when you respond to him like a common God. In the sense of, I'm still going to do whatever the heck I want to do, no matter what you tell me to do. And you are still going to bless me. You're still going to help me. And when I get myself in trouble, you're still going to get me out. And what are we doing? We're not making God God. We're making us God. And this God that we serve in reality within our hearts, he should serve us. But this God that we serve is the creator of all things. Can I tell you, the, the universe is not God. 
The universe is not God. In, in this city of Hutto, in the, in, the, in, the, in the region of Austin, everybody has these stones, right? Jay over here, he's, he goes to a lot of houses for his work, and he sees stones, tarot cards. They have these little fairy houses, right, or some, some weird stuff like that. It's everywhere. I would even guess that somebody in the room has these things. New ageism. We worship the thing that was created, not the one who created them. That's how you know we've made God common. Now you may say, I don't have these stones. Yeah, but you worship your wallet and you worship your car and you worship your hobbies. We've made him common. The God that was on the throne that John saw is still the same God that we serve, and there is no other God before him. He is God. He is God. He may not be your God, but he's God. And if he's not your God, you better get right quick. I feel like this is good. (laughs) I'm like... Oh, geez, I got a notification from Elijah, and I lost my spot. My friend is visiting a town, and he sent me something. I got to find my spot again. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Psalm 8610 says, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. See, he still sits on the thrones, and he still sits on the throne for centuries. Mankind has tried to dethrone him. For centuries, mankind has attempted to dethrone God. They've attempted to to put something else on the throne of the world of creation. And because mankind does not have the power to enthrone somebody over all creation, what mankind has begun to do is dethrone God within their own heart and enthrone themselves. That God is no longer on my throne, but I've enthroned me, myself, and I. Trinity of the flesh. (laughs) I've enthroned myself, and I've become my own God. Is this good? I'm telling you, this gets a lot better towards the end, all right? It gets real emotional and gushy and nice in the end of the message, okay? But we got to get through this part, okay? That's the beauty of repentance. You can't repent unless you know what you've done is wrong. Amen? I feel like I'm an old school church today. I need to get my suit and tie. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I will never wear a suit and tie. (laughs) Never, Kathleen. Dang it. Now if I do it, I want this off the live stream. Easton, why don't you edit this out? But we, the truth is this, and I, I looked into some different articles back in 2014, 2017, and we're already hitting into 2022. Isn't that insane? And so these are old, and I can only imagine how much worse it is. But you know what run, ra- runs rampant in the nation? Narcissism. And we're all saying, amen, amen, because we know we, we struggle with that too. No? Okay. God help me. Jeez. <laughs> Whew. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Somebody's going to have to come get the mic. I'm done. There was a, there's an article that I was reading about. Society in the United States, and I guess it's like they, they do a study like one every ten, one every one, one out of every ten people struggle with narcissism or whatever, and they said the rate of people dealing with narcissism is now faster 
and growing over the weight of obesity in the nation. It's incredible. People are all about themselves. So much so that we get a high when somebody likes something online that we do. It's true. So much so that, that we've created a whole life online that isn't even real. So much so that every little celebration in your life has to be known by the world. What do they say? If, if, they, if, it didn't, if you didn't post it, it didn't happen? <laughs> Think about this. In society, we are like the first generation to actually have full-on, call it a website, about ourselves. Everything in, in, the, in, in, our, in our society is about how does it make you feel? Because if it doesn't make you feel good, you don't have to do it. That's why the churches that preach the truth are shrinking and the, pre- the, the, the churches that preach, oh, you're good how you are and you don't need to change and God loves your sin and keep doing it. They're growing because we have a narcissistic nation that is all about themselves. And we've enthroned ourselves in our life. And we've said, I am God of my own life. But God is God, and he will not be mocked. There is only one God on the throne, and you are not God. You are not, you are not all-powerful. You are not all-knowing. You can't just, you, you can't even, you're not even wise enough for yourself. You need God. I need God in my life. I'm nothing without him. I realize I'm a bad husband without God. I'm a bad father without God. I'm a bad pastor. I'm a bad leader. I'm a bad bad friend without God. I need him just to live my own life. I need God. He is God. And he is jealous for you. How twisted is society to say, oh, well, that makes him wrong because we're not supposed to be jealous. Who are you to tell God what he can and cannot be? Thank you. (laughs) He's jealous for you. I've been... um, dealing with some stuff in my life and the church and all that's happening. And I've been distracted a little bit. And in my prayer, you know, you know, as a preacher, you get the opportunity to pretty much preach about, not whatever you want, but I mean, I guess if you don't listen to God, you could preach on whatever you want. And there's things that I want to talk about with you. But God said in my prayer time, don't even mention it. And he said, talk about me. But even in my life, he's had to bring me back. Say, why are you doing what you do? I've never been so, even with all the stuff that's happening, I've never been so full of joy and peace in my life. Because I have him. I've taken myself off my throne in my heart and I've put him back in 
And I said, Lord, you are my God. And I'm blessed that you would be my God. But see, people will follow other gods because they hate the holiness of God. People like God when it's like, oh, God is love. Oh, yes, I love that one. But when they say God is holy. Well, what do you, what do you mean by holy? What I mean by holy is he doesn't tolerate sin. He doesn't tolerate sin. We tolerate it. In fact, we treat it like a little pet. Like we have control over it. He doesn't tolerate sin. He's a holy God. And when you come to him, the scripture says you must be holy. For God is holy. And you cannot be holy by yourself. You need the spirit of God inside of you to be holy. But people, people didn't want to serve God. And the book of Romans teaches us that he gave them up to their debased mind. And he said, okay, you want to live that way? Go live that way. But they had a knowledge of who he is, yet they still hated him because they hated holiness. The scriptures teach us that when the light came into the world, that men hated the light because they loved their darkness. This is the truth. You cannot serve God and serve the world at the same time. You cannot worship God and worship yourself and others at the same time. See, I love, my, in fact, my wife and I just celebrated nine years together on the 4th. She's put up with me for nine years, and it has not been easy. But you know what the secret to our marriage is? I love her, but she's not first. He is. But we've done this. We've, we've, we've made our kids our God. We've made our spouse our God. We've made our job our God. And society has done this. They've, they've put other gods before him. And, and it's not for us. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's because we hate holiness. But the truth is this. As soon as you stand face to face with the truth, what is your response to that truth? Because your response will tell you if you love holiness or if you hate it. Some will stand before God in truth. And like a mirror, you look at the scripture, you'll say, no, no, I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep doing it my way. Can I say this, that society's response to God doesn't change who he is. He's still holy. He's still righteous. He's still powerful. He's still all-knowing. He's still eternal. He's still the God who created everything. He's still, he's still that God, and he's still on the throne. Society doesn't change that. Culture doesn't change that. Whether our church is, you know, 10 people, 20 people, 1,000 people, it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't matter what you say about him. He's still God. Society's response to God will not change who he is. He's still holy. Psalm 144, I love this. Think about how great he is. The scripture says, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him? The greatness of God should humble every man and woman. The greatness of God should bring humility to ask the question, what can I give to you? 
God, what can I give to you? And this question has been on my heart the last couple of weeks as I've been, honestly, guys, I've just been walking with the Lord, and it's been good. My question is, God, what can I give to you? God, what can I give back? All that you've done for me. Not even just what you've done for me, but who you are. What can I give to you? And my desire is to give him glory. You know, this church, I, I, I love when people come together and worship. Not because we have a good crowd, but because I love to see people give him glory. I told him, Lord, I want to build it. I want to build this church, but I'm going to build it to give you glory. Whatever you give, God, we give it back to you. This is our desire in Revelation 4, 6 through 8 says, Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne there were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in the back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest. Day or night, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Think about this. They lived in the presence of God, and they never stopped giving him glory. You'll stand in the presence of God at our church, not even lift your hands. We all do that. I struggle with that, too. I'm not just saying you got the problems. I've got them too. And these creatures, these beings are, are surrounding the throne of God and, and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. The worthiness of God does not diminish over time. Just because you've been walking with him for 10 or 15 years doesn't mean you should be used to him. Just because you've been in church X amount of years doesn't mean God should be common to you. We've gotten too used to him. And we treat him like a second-class citizen when he comes into the room. And we treat him like, a, like he's not even welcomed within our own house. We treat him and we say, okay, God, if I have time for you, I'll spend it. God, if I wake up 30 minutes earlier before work, then I'll get into the presence but I really like my sleep. God's holiness does not diminish over your longevity. Every single day, he's worthy. Every single moment in heaven right now, these creatures are surrounding the throne room of God and they're saying the very same thing, holy, holy, holy. We get tired after a Sunday. We get tired after one moment. We've cheapened him so much that we read the Bible for 10 minutes and, and we pray for five and we check it off our bucket list for the day and we say, oh, I did a good job today. I was a good Christian. Do you treat him holy or do you treat him common? 
Because his holiness doesn't diminish over time. And in his presence, we see his holiness. The problem is this, is that, is that sometimes we don't see how holy he is because we're never in his presence. We can never really learn anything about God because you're never in the presence of God. So we minimized our God because we don't really know him. In his presence, we see his holiness. And our only response is to worship. Psalm 115.1 says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Sometimes I'm in my office and... and um. I'm not a reader. I don't like to read books. I should. I try. It takes me a long time. See these guys saying, I finished 12 books this year. I'm like, oh, man. I think I did that in my life. <laughs> like, jeez. But when I open up the Bible, I could just keep reading and reading and reading. Because I'm spending time with him. There's been moments where I spent a good amount of prayer and, and I felt like you know I was done you know and there's nothing I'm not trying to leave God I'm like yeah God we're together all day like but I gotta I gotta work I got things to do you know and and I'll feel the pooling of his presence he'll say just stay a little bit longer and can I be honest with you can I be honest with you I used to because when I pray oh my knees I'm 31 <laughs> Jesus yeah, people are like, 31 is young. I know, I know. That's the problem. I get it. I'm super young with knee problems. I don't understand. But the way I pray in my house is I pace. I pace back and forth, and I got a little, you know, little office, so I'm taking like three steps one way, three steps back. And, and I'm just pacing, and I pray, and I, and I worship. And, 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 you know, sometimes I don't even get to my request because I'm just, I'm just worshiping the Lord. I'm just loving him. And, and sometimes when I'm done, what I do is, it's because I, I actually have things to do, like on my desk and my computer, and I'll sit down, and I'll get ready. I'm going to try to do this on oh, my back. And I'll sit down, and I'll get ready, and I'll feel the presence. I'll feel the voice saying, come back. And I used to say, I'll be back tomorrow. And now, put my little keyboard up, I get out of my chair, and I say, okay. I spend more time with him. And as I spend more time with him, I begin to see his holiness. And when I see his holiness, I realize that I'll never attempt to take his glory. I'll, I will never. Can I say this? That I'm not the reason he comes here. That when I'm not preaching, that doesn't mean God won't show up. Can I say this to even more so? That I'm not your avenue to God. You have access to him just as I do. You say, well, this, your relationship seems special. It is, but it's not because I'm special. It's because he's good. So I'll never take responsibility for what he's done. Everything I have in my life, my, my wife, my kids, my money, my house, my car, everything that I have is, is because of him. 
If it was me, I'd still be living in my parents' house unless they kicked me out, <laughs> which they might have. But everything I have is, is because of him and, and I, I'm not going to take his glory. In fact, I'm going to give it to him and he, even in moments when I don't feel like it. You know when those days just really suck? You know what I'm talking about? Should I say that on the mic? It's okay. <laughs> You're like, I'm leaving. You know those days that are just really bad? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? You all have good days. Oh my gosh. I should, again, I shouldn't be preaching up here. Those days that are really, really bad. That you get into the, you, you go to prayer and you're like, I really don't want to do this. Or you come and, and, and you just got into an argument with your, your wife or your husband. Me and my wife never do that. We never get into arguments in nine years. <laughs> you get into a big argument and then, and then you come to church. It's like, how am I supposed to lift my hands when she did this to me and he did that to me and, and I don't want to. I'm just going to stand there and just, so-and-so better not say hi to me. I'm not in the mood. Can I say, even on those days, he's still God. And he's still worthy. Even when you don't feel like it. Even when Sunday service is over. And you go home. And, you, and you're starting your week, your work week. And you're getting ready. And, and you got to get the kids ready for school. And can I say this? That, that even on Monday, he's still worthy. Can I say that, that just because you get out of the, 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 the walls of the church doesn't mean that God is, is not God anymore, but, but he's still God? And he deserves everything that I can give to him. I'm almost done. Is this blessing you this morning? Check this out as we continue reading Revelation 4, 9 through 11. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24, remember there's 24 elders that we read in the beginning. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship, and worship him who lives forever and ever. And listen to this. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The 24 elders are believed to be the persecuted church. And this crown that they, they put down before the Lord was in fact a crown that took a lot to get. In the book of 2 Timothy 4 through 8 says, Finally, there is laid up for me a, oh, excuse me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to us, but also to all who have loved his appearing. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This crown that they had on their head was a crown that they got when they finished the race. All the stuff that they went through, 
All the times they denied their flesh. All the times they were persecuted. All the times they were beaten and talked about and gossiped about. All the times that they said yes to Jesus and no to the flesh. All of the times that they said yes to God and no to their own safety. All of those times that they passed the test. They finished it through sickness, through doubt, through trial, through struggle. They finally made it. And God says, here's the crown of life. And in the presence of God, it says, they fall to their knees and the very reward that they've earned themselves they take it off their heads and they say the only one who's worthy is you I laid down my crown before the Lord to glorify God is to humble yourself and say I'm nobody in your presence God I'm nobody when you come into the room Lord I'm here just to lay down my life the greatest reward that you could ever give is not worth him it's not worth holding on to things in his presence. It says they lay down their crowns. To glorify God is to humble yourself. Say, I know I've done a lot of good stuff, Lord. But even the stuff that I've done, Lord, I give it back to you. Now I'm closing with this last and final thought. I'm going to go right back to the top, Okay. And I'm going to preach the whole message again. I'm just kidding. Revelation 4, verse 1. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place. Think about this. John is in a moment with the Lord. And he looks up and he sees a door. He sees an opportunity. And as he looks in upon that opportunity, the voice gives him an invitation. It says, come here. I want to show you something. The opportunity was to see the glory of God because God wants to be known. And we too are led into this throne room. We too have this same invitation. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He invites us. He's, he is the door. John 10 verse 7 says, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find out and go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. See, God is open and he's waiting for you. Jesus stands as the door, as the avenue, as the walkway into the presence of God. And he says, Come. There are things that I want to show you. There's a part of me you haven't seen yet, 
because you've been blinded by religion for half your life. You've been blinded by hurt for half your life. You've been, you've been tricked and, and lied to and said you have to do X, Y, and Z if you want to be right with God when all it takes is faith in Jesus. And he says, I'm the door. Come this way. This great God that we worship and we say, he's holy, he's righteous, he's on the throne. He says, come in. Because he's a God who cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He's powerful, listen to this. He's powerful and he's personal. That I can know him. Who is man that you are mindful of? Who am I that you would care about me? As I was putting this message together, and I promise I'm almost done. If you're looking at your, your clocks, don't just don't do that anymore. You'll catch the game. It's all right. As I was putting this message together, I started on Monday, and um, I knew what I was talking about. I knew I was talking about the holiness of God. I knew I was talking about the greatness of God and our response to this great God. And, and I really just wanted to highlight who he is, right? And kind of get us all into this moment of like, oh my gosh, he's so great. I need to, I need to worship. I need to respond. And that was kind of it. That was my message. And then my son decided to jump backwards off his uh, sister's crib. I don't know why. But he runs out of his room screaming because he broke his arm. That was terrible. I felt so bad. He's holding his arm and I'm like, oh gosh. You know, as parents, you always like play those situations in your head of like what you would do. It happened and I, and I, I responded correctly. I did it good, I did it good. Grabbed him, threw him, in the, threw him in the car, I didn't throw him in. I placed him in the car. And, and it, was, it was awful. I'm not gonna tell you the story because then I'll cry and I'm not gonna cry, okay? We go through this whole thing. I get into the emergency room. They're like trying to help him. He's just, he's just crying. He's being such a good, he's like, he's a good, he was tough. Honestly, I was shocked. He's going through this. And then, and then we go into the ambulance and he finally falls asleep. And like, I was trying not to cry the whole time. I didn't want to, I didn't want him to see me cry. And now I'm in the ambulance with the emergency guy. And I was like, he, he for sure is not going to see me cry either. Right. So I held it in a little bit longer. So I got home and I was sitting there and I'm just thinking like, man, this sucks. My son's asleep. His arm's a little sling. You know, it's, it's, it happens. It's, it's stuff that happens in life. And, and, and call me a bad dad or, or not, but I thought, man, I got I to gotta finish my sermon. Like, this kind of ran through my head because you, you have these emergencies, but you, you still have responsibilities. And, and, and the Lord met me. Don't, Ethan, delete this too. <laughs> I'm like, God, it's not a big deal. Like, it's, it's a broken arm. And so I'm, I just got to keep telling myself that. <clears throat> Jeez. I'm like, you may catch the game. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see how long it takes me to get through this story. <sighs> okay, here we go. And <clears throat> me in the ambulance, and, and he just began to tell me that um, I know, I know it's okay. Just leave me through it. He's beginning to tell me that he cares. 
I'm thinking like this great God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of the universe, the one who made and breathed breath into us, the one who designed it all and the one who died for us. He cares about my son. And he cares about how I feel about it. And I'm telling him in prayer, I'm like, God, I know it's not a big deal. And he's like, no, 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 no. I care about this. He's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of him. He's telling me all these things. And it hits me that this great God wants to be known because he cares about us. This is the God we serve. This is why religion can't do it. This is why you can't go and just know a pastor that, that he would know God for you. This is why you can't just do it all on your own because it doesn't work like that because he's a God who wants to be known by you. Because he cares. So my question to you today is when is the last time you sat in the throne room of God? I'm not saying when is the last time you warred and pulled down heaven and, you know what I mean, casted out all the demons in the, in the, in, from Halloween. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. When was the last time you just got into his presence and just spent time with him? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to finish up here. Thanks for tuning in to the Reclaim Church podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to stay up to date with the church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX.